Listen, if your diet consists of Taco Bell and junk food and being the heaviest you can possibly be, then you're going to enjoy TFSJiu-Jitsu.com. TFS Jiu-Jitsu is a website focused around Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu technique videos that actually work. Great fundamentals provided by many different instructors from various levels. It really has a lot to offer to a white belt in Jiu-Jitsu all the way up to a black belt. It's a great website, and with gi videos and no gi videos, it really kind of keeps everything nice and fresh. Ben Tallini is a team balance black belt, and when he built this website, he wanted to put a focus on building something that people felt confident in the information that they were receiving. And Ben has done a fantastic job with this website. He has provided us with a lot of great techniques and a lot of different ways that you can get to different positions in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So make sure you guys check them out at tfsjujitsu.com. Listen, Ben put a lot of time into this, and there has been a lot of nights where he has eaten Crunchwrap Supremes putting this website together. So make sure you show Ben some love. The website's tfsjiujitsu.com. Another episode of the Corycast with my friend, Bob Slocum. I've been good friends with Bob for a very long time now, and Bob and I have this friendship that even though when you know when he left uh, went to college, we didn't really talk very much. And then when he came back to Syracuse and he was looking to purchase a house, him and I were talking again. Like no time had left off. Like we just picked up right where we left. We were both laughing at the same stuff. And Bob is such a a nice, genuine person. He currently works for the DEC, and I kind of asked him some questions like, "What's his normal job look like?" Stuff like that. And Bob's opinions are all all his own. He doesn't represent the DEC in any regards. But I got to hear some really cool, interesting perspectives on what a normal day looks like for Bob in work. Bob is making a big impact with the DEC to help save forests, and I think it's a beautiful thing that they're doing. So I hope you enjoy this episode with one of my oldest and dearest friends, Bob Slocum. Okay, so first of all, why don't we start the podcast, introduce yourself, uh, and what you do. Um, all right, yeah. Um, hi, I'm uh, Bob Slocum, um, and uh, I am an invasive species specialist, I guess you can kind of call it. Invasive species specialist. You know, I didn't even know your official title, I'm not going to lie to you. That's a made-up one. Um, oh. I'm really more like a labor supervisor. What is it? <laughs> but I work with invasive species. I missed it. What was your actual title? I'm more like a labor supervisor, just like a supervisor. Gotcha, gotcha. So you're a... Uh, how do you... How do you manage that? Like, what is the... Do you have just orders that come from other people above you? Um. Yeah. I guess so like uh basically we we have different projects we're working on throughout the year and that's that's kind of how I how I do and I and I might have like a crew underneath me that I have to like kind of just manage. 
That's pretty cool. That's it seems like those days are always different and unique, right? Oh, definitely. Um, this job is uh, very unique. It's definitely different throughout the entire year. We're not usually doing the same thing throughout the entire year. I was going to say, especially when seasons shift, I would imagine they would uh, they would probably change like a plan of attack for things, right? Oh uh, yeah. Um, well, and so like different um, seasons is when we or like we, we attack not not attack. Uh, don't put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. No. Uh, when we go, when we start projects, it's in different times of the year. So we might be doing uh, giant hogweed um, in the summer, you know, but I'll be doing like southern pine beetle in the winter. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So there's like almost like uh, like season changes basically that you have to accommodate, right? Yeah. Kind of just like you know what I mean, like um, so like giant hogweeds, a a plant that. It only grows like during the summer, you know what I mean? It's not a winter plant, but as most plants up here, you know, they, they die in the winter. So like, what, you know what I mean? That's only a summertime thing. What is so bad about hogweed? So giant hogweed, um, basically it's an invasive that can give you really bad burns. Um, oh. Basically, if you get the sap on you, um, it can cause, um, it's like photodermatitis is what they call it. Basically, it changes the DNA in your skin. Um, oh. Specifically, I think it's the thymine. Um, if you remember that from grade school, um, (laughs) holy shit. (laughs) Um, but basically it makes your skin not tolerable to UV rays. So essentially you'll, you'll get the sap on you. It'll react to your skin and then you'll go out in the sunlight and you'll have like third degree burns on your skin. Wow. As if you burn yourself on the stove, like, you know, your skin will bubble up and stuff like that. Yeah. Just from a plant. Interesting. And that's it's an invasive species. Does that mean that somebody has brought it from out of the area into this area? Oh uh, yeah. Um, so that one in particular, that comes from the Caucasus mountain region. Um, and it's like, uh, Eurasia, like, you know, I mean, the kind of like that border between Asia and Europe. Oh. Um, yeah. How, how did you get into this job? Like what, uh, what did you go to school for? I don't even know. How bad of a friend am I? <laughs> you're a good friend um don't worry <laughs> um how did i get into this job man it's funny i i guess i started out um when i went to school i originally um when i started to pick a concentration i went for biology and um as i started doing that um i realized it's more microscopes than anything and i, I wasn't really really into that and i was thinking well what can i do that's kind of similar um, oh, and I also went for teaching too. Um, but I kind of shifted out of that when I, when I switched to this major, which was, uh, terrestrial ecology. So it's just more land-based animal plant uh, stuff. Right. And, uh, it's just something I, you know what I mean? My, my dad has always been one of these people that works at an office his whole life. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And he kind of was just like, you know, find a job that you really like, you know what I mean? Not a job that pays well or whatever, find a job that you'll like doing, you know what I mean? And this is a, you know, a position where I get to, um, you know what I mean? Be outside all day. You know what I mean? I don't sit at yeah. a desk, but I get to play out, out in the, out in the world. I know. That's the coolest thing is I'm always, you know, when we were looking at houses, you were showing me all the pictures of all the, like the cool machines you got to do and like the cool places you got to go. And it's a really, it sounds like a really fun job. Oh Yeah. Definitely. What, definitely uh, what school did you go to? What school did I go to? Yeah. I went to SUNY Brockport. 
Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Did you, uh, was it, were you just there for four years? Oh, yeah. And I, I did a year at MCC before that. Um, oh, gotcha. But gotcha. that was like liberal arts, so I don't know if it really even counted. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you stumble into the DEC? Did you see a job posting or did you, uh, like meet them at a job fair or something? Um, kind of both. Um, I, I was, I originally started, uh, working at the, the nature conservancy. It's a nonprofit. Um, and, uh, I went to, they call them, uh, Slilo meetings. Um, and basically, uh, there was a presenter there that was actually four giant hogweed. I think it was my boss currently. Um, but I, I just thought it was really cool. And I, and then, then again, I saw a job posting and I was like, Oh wow, this, this seems like really interesting, something that I, I could uh, see myself doing. So I applied and uh, they liked me <laughs> and now that's, I'm here. Yeah. That's cool. How long have you been there for? Oh, I think I'm going on six, six years. Oh wow. That's a long time. Honestly, yeah. I thought it was, I didn't even think it was that long. I have six years, somewhere in there. That's cool. And then, uh, like, what does a, what does a normal day look like for you? Like, what do you do? Is it completely based on like a higher up telling you, Hey, we, we need you at this site to help with mitigation of hogweed. Um, kind of, uh, it really depends on the season. So different jobs are just, uh, you know, I mean, handled differently. Um, for like, say hogweed in the summer, I, you kind of get like uh, a handful of sites, you know what I mean? Like a couple hundred sites. And then it's like your job throughout the year to just go and, you know, take care of them all, treat them all, um, in whatever way is uh, needed. But like for like Southern pine beetle, it's kind of like different. You kind of work more as a group. Um, and you are, uh, cutting down trees all day, you know, right. and you're kind of like, uh, going from like, you work in like one area, like one forest. And maybe when that's done, you move to like a different spot and then you move to a different spot in like gotcha. a couple weeks. Gotcha. And how many people are like on a team on a job like that? Um, often with pairs, um, with COVID it's been different. Um, so we've been on our own for the most part, but, um, yeah, I guess like a southern pine beetle, like for cutting, you you definitely need someone else there. You can't be cutting alone. It's just really dangerous. Um, yeah, cutting a tree by yourself seems for sure. That's how you lose a limb and, and bleed out. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if a tree falls on you in the woods and no one's there to, to help you, then you're Does you're it make, do you make a sound? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's terrible. Someone just died at our, our expense of a joke. <laughs> oh, no. That's cool. And then uh, when uh, I guess a good question to ask is how do they how do they gauge success? Is there somebody like a scientist that's saying, oh, yeah, the uh, beetle numbers are, are declining or the forest is looking more rejuvenated, I guess was the word. Yeah. Um, so both it's, there's really a lot of factors that go into it. Um, and that, those are definitely, um, some of that. So like a lot of our funding is like, uh, like specific to things like that. Right. So mm. like you get federal funding or whatever state funding, and it says like, you need to accomplish these goals. You know what I mean? So right. you need to, like, you know what I mean? And then like, right. We have the scientific aspect of it where we go back and we do like insect trapping and stuff like that to see, or like, you know what I mean? We might see like less crown die off for like Southern pine beetle. You know what I mean? So 
more healthier trees and stuff like that. So yeah. really there's just a lot that goes into it. Yeah. That's gotta be such a hard, I would only imagine because especially with the DEC, cause they're not only they're managing that, but they're, when I worked at runnings, they're also a big part of managing like whitetail deer population too. And there just seems to be a lot of different aspects of that job. You know what I mean? Especially when you're trying to, man, how do you even begin to control or somewhat control an environment, you know? Yeah. I always say thank God for people that are way smarter than me to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What's um when what's like the biggest job that you've taken? Was there one that you've had like a lot of guys underneath you or a large um, task you've had to done? So I mean there's there's a bit of both. Um Usually, like, for, like, hogweed, um, during a normal year, we might have, like, I don't know. We might have, like, a full crew, so that'd be, like, me me included with a partner, and then, like, maybe, like, th- three other groups of two. So I might be managing them. But um, as far as, like, work for myself, like, um, we've definitely tackled some, like, bigger, like, bigger polygon, bigger trees, um, bigger forests, I guess, for, like, southern pine beetle. Um, so it, it kind of depends, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those totally. are big ones. Yeah, no, totally. It, it's, I would imagine it's, especially on the scale, right? Especially if, uh, I guess if Southern pine beetle population has increased over the past three years, I'm sure your job scale probably gets larger and larger. Uh, yeah, yeah, it depends. Um, yeah, it's kind of just like, um, we're treating like the hot spot, you know what I mean? We're treating like the center zone for that one. We're treating like the center zone and like working on where it's like most dense and stuff like that. Um, Why is that particular beetle uh, so terrible? Um, It's not like, I mean, it is terrible. So, um, so I guess it's, it's bad because basically that beetle um, it swarms trees, right? So like, it'll, it'll have like, a lot of it's brewed, you know what I mean? All in one tree. Um, so the adults go in and then they lay their eggs and then inside the bark and then those larvae, um, you know what I mean? Um, start, start to wake up and whatever. And when they start eating the bark, they make like little like S patterns along it. So it, it can't transport water through the bark. Um, oh. as easily. And it basically it's, it's choking out the tree whenever, you know, whenever an S pattern is created. So imagine that, but throughout the entire tree. So, you know what I mean? These trees end up like losing all their needles and, you know, drying out, dying. And magnify that between an entire forest going. Right. Through. Dude, I just Google searched these beetles. They look crazy. Yeah, they're actually like really small. Um. <laughs> oh, they're tiny. See, that's one. Yeah. Thing. Okay, now I'm seeing one with a, in the palm of a guy's hand. But I was just looking at the magnified version of it. It oh, looks yeah. like a mole rat with like legs. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, like, and those yeah. things wipe out entire forests? Yeah, but it's like a, a billion of them. <laughs> Not just singular, you know? Um, are, are you, like, mostly in the Adirondacks? Do they put you up that way? I would imagine that would um, probably be where the, the most majority of New York State forests are. Um, no, I'm actually really not in there so much. Um because like the Adirondacks are more of our pristine land um, and they're often managed by other people. Um, oh. So we don't, we don't spend as much time in there. We do like every now and then. Um, 
I was just at Lake George for uh, HWA operation. Um, HWA is Hemolecular Delgate. It just got, we just uh, uh, sprayed some insecticide on trees to try to save them because of a newly found infestation there. Whoa. That, it's, it's almost like a delicate balance, right? That's what it seems like. Uh, yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, uh, I would imagine there are some animals that uh, kind of feed on the northern pine beetle, right? Um, yeah. Um, so they, like, they have. They're the kind of bug that like kind of tastes really shitty, so no animal wants to go for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's kind of the thing with like some of these um, insects that come over, or whatever. They don't have natural predators. That's why invasive species are are mm-hmm. kind of so prevalent and how they do so well. One of the reasons. Um, because they don't have any natural predators going after them. But they do have natural biocontrols is what they call them. Um, so basically they might find a predator um, that is native to where they are and, like, you know what I mean, naturally, like, goes after them or whatever. Um, and they'll, they do a lot of testing before they ever can release them, like, out in the wild in, like, New York or wherever. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like, there might be, like, a parasitic wasp, I think, is one that was... Uh, being looked at maybe for SPB. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, um, so so they might, re- after doing a lot of testing and making sure that releasing those won't, you know, be like releasing another invasive species into the wild. Yeah, um, right. Especially, I would imagine that would be a big concern too, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the delicate balance. Because I've heard uh, online, I remember reading an article about uh, a certain city that had a really large white deer or white-tailed deer population, and they released more wolves into that area, and it completely destroyed the whole ecosystem in that area. And it's like, how do you how do you balance that? that like, that's such a difficult thing, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Years of research. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that again. I'm glad there's people smarter than me to to figure that stuff out. Are you mostly in the forest? Like, do they mostly put you there, or are you ever? in a like dealing with uh fish and stuff um not not through the job i have currently um i guess uh it, when i first started out with the nature conservancy i was uh doing a lot of uh fish and wildlife uh management or not management um monitoring so i would i could i would like uh i do like water chestnut poles that's a that's an invasive uh plant species that uh, is taking over like our Great Lakes. Um, Water and chestnut. Yeah. Um, if you ever had like. Bring, who's bringing these plants over? It's so crazy. Like people are just um, like, oh, I'm just going to bring a water chestnut from East Asia <laughs> and plant it in well, the Adirondacks. Right. Well, it's not so much that as it is like um, things come over in like shipping containers and stuff. You know what I mean? A lot of stuff gets shipped over from like yeah. Asia and wherever else. Um, and they make their way, you know what I mean? And they yeah. survive the whole trip and then they come out they get shipped to wherever yeah right okay i I guess that makes sense yeah for sure is most of your job about tree management in the sense that it's uh looking at more is the word arborist like more trees right is that is that the word yeah um an arborist uh definitely deals with trees uh more i'm i deal mainly with just invasive species so eradication and, and like uh dealing with them whatnot is there 
one you've seen like the biggest surgeon in the last couple of years or is the the pine beetle the biggest the biggest focus i guess of the season i th- i think each invasive um has their own um their own spotlight but um yeah. one that's recently coming up that people should be looking out for is a uh, spotted lanternfly um it's really big right now in like pennsylvania um and it's just getting over into the states right now into or to the states to the new york state um but right now, um, I think Ag Markets is actually um, dealing with it more than we are. Um, but they're, uh, you know what I mean, like keeping track of where it is and what they can do about it. So we're in the process of hopefully, you know, early detecting and uh, eradicating or, you know what I mean, at least uh, yeah. getting rid of what, what's around. Holy shit. Like what a, what a thing to catch. Like you guys are preventing a lot of damage. You know what I mean? Like, th- again... I'll probably say it four more times when we do this. Thank God for people smarter than me because you guys are preventing something. Uh, I would say catastrophic, right? To the to the forest from happening. Yeah. Um. And like, so it's it's not only that. Like, it's it's uh, different things. It's so like just because invasive species um doesn't doesn't necessarily mean the forest. So like the spider lanternfly will actually um. It's like non-host specific, so it, it'll but it'll uh, attack a lot of fruiting trees and like plants. So like uh, say like the Finger Lakes would be uh, really bad if it got there um, because of the wine industry, right? You know what oh, I mean? Right. It, it'll attack like, vineyards, you know, and uh, that'd be really bad. Yeah. And like maple trees, so like our maple industry could be at risk. Right. Wow. So a lot of other things. Yeah. Right. There's definitely there's definitely a lot of I feel like the more people I talk to, there's the more things I realize is on their plate than what seems like at the surface level. You know what I mean? Cause I always, when we were house hunting, I honestly, especially with your knowledge of trees, I thought your main focus of your job was just tree management, which obviously seems to be a, a pretty big part of your job, but also invasive species in many different kinds of them that you're trying to, trying to control and prevent from doing a lot of damage to people yeah and, yeah basically that's it yeah I, and areas too right? yeah and it's all over new york um i get sent everywhere <laughs> I, that's what i was gonna ask how far have you traveled have you helped like have you have they sent you to pennsylvania to help with projects um wow actually i i have been um before uh, what was that Two years ago, maybe I, I went and we we met people with like Aga Markets um, who were dealing with a uh, spider lanternfly in, in Pennsylvania. Um, but that's just to like to see what they're doing and for them to show us like you know I mean what we can do and stuff like that. Um, but like as far as New York goes, I've been all the way out to like Montauk, so the edge of uh, Long Island. Oh, so that's wow. like six six and a half hours maybe from, from Syracuse. <laughs> and that's just driving, right? They're not flying you out there. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been to Buffalo. I've been in the Adirondacks a bit. Right. How many How many tools do you have to know? Because I feel like every time I talk to you, you're like, hey, I use a chainsaw. Hey, I use this, like, stump grinder thing. Hey, I, I drove a bobcat <laughs> the other day. Yeah, um, it depends on the job. You know, like, each job kind of requires different, you know, tools and stuff like that. Um so yeah, I'm pretty well versed in like a chainsaw. Um, I've run a skid steer with uh, that thing you're talking about. So it's a, it's a um, what's it called? A oh, forestry mulcher. 
So it is, it's kind of like a giant snowblower, right? It'll grind down an entire tree. It'll knock a tree down and then you can basically grind right over it. Whoa. Turn like, it no into... matter how thick it is too? I mean, like there's a, you don't want to bog down the machine too much. Right. It, it, I think a thicker tree would just take a lot longer. Um, For sure. You'd have to be more careful. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, that's, that's cool. That's a, what a, whenever I, when I worked at runnings, the, Anytime I started a chainsaw, I was always afraid I was immediately going to cut off a limb. I'm always so scared yeah. to use those things. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, if, especially if you, haven't been, if you haven't been cutting, you know what I mean, like ever in your life or like whatever. Right. Um, it's definitely scary. I remember like when I first started uh, sawyering, it, it was definitely, I was I was a little like, you know, like nervous because I just, you know, it's, it's a dangerous thing going out in the woods, cutting down trees, <laughs> yeah. you know. Right but with they, a chainsaw, most... you're out there wearing chaps, but you're still like, this could probably cut through my leg very easily. <laughs> right. Now, now well, you're a pro, Bob. Now you could just juggle four steel chainsaws without even looking. Yeah, I wish. All <laughs> <laughs> well, my sidekick on. Yeah, right, right. No, that's funny. working the state fair or something like that one guy. <laughs> what, like, what is your uh, favorite part of your job? My favorite part? Hmm. Um. I'm not sure. It's honestly, this job is really, it's really, uh, gratifying, I guess. It's so, so like you can, uh, it feels really good to get this like hard labor done. You know what I mean? Like you've been out in the field, maybe you're wearing Tyvek the whole day, like out in the middle of the sun, digging up plants, or you've been chainsawing all day. Um, you know what I mean? It feels really good to kind of like get done with with the job like that. Um, do some hard physical labor and then, think like oh man i really like made a difference in the world like i i kind of like helped someone like man hopefully my actions are helping to you know i mean stop this or like i mean help help some sort of whatever forest yeah um, and i think there's some people that are missing that out of their job some people don't have that uh it's almost like a uh a reason right some people are in that like your dad had mentioned he was in the office job where it just felt like it was a grind in that maybe doesn't have that sense of accomplishment that that you feel out of that job you know yeah definitely right and especially you're talking like company versus what you're doing is not only impacting new york state on a local level but also the entire state right like you're you're preventing an entire species of gross bugs from destroying the wine industry or destroying wineries you know what i mean yeah yeah um definitely that no that's cool and then uh did you have to get like any uh special license for that job um it depends on the job um so i have like my pesticide license and um i have it in uh, one category i'm actually going and studying to get another category added on for us um i have my tails getting uh getting a license in that is it just a class and a test or uh, yeah it, well it's like you have to like study um for it um and you also have to have like a certain amount of experience well, and they do have classes too so basically they count for a certain amount of credits um so you kind of have to have a combination of like rate like experience or credits and then also take the exam and pass it and Got whatnot you. um and along with that i also have my uh my red card so um that's that's my wildfire fighter card so I, if like there's like a fire out west and they needed people, I could potentially go out if I wanted to. Have you had um, to use that yet? Was that? Have you had to use it yet? 
Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I've I've not used it out west or anything like that. We went out and uh, we helped out some uh, some of the guys in the New Jersey wildfire um, team. I'm, I'm not sure what their name is exactly, but anyways, that was actually one of it's the only one I've ever been on that was like an actual like control. It's a controlled burn. It's not like a wildfire. Um, so it's like one that they start um, and it's, it's for the good. I know it sounds weird. Like you're doing something bad, but you're not yeah. um, like controlled burns basically help thin out the forest and they help um, actually regenerate um, plant species on the understory. So basically, oh. so you'll burn the, the, all the material on the bottom of the forest and, you might like burn down a few trees or whatever. So you'll create uh, gaps in the canopy. So there's more light coming in for other trees to grow up um, bigger and stronger. And then the, tr- the species on the bottom um, need a little bit of that, um, that burnt carbon nutrient and stuff like that. Um, and they'll be more prevalent. Like they'll be really green, you know what I mean? Coming up in like the next couple of years. Right, and that that I was just about to ask you that if that uh, doing a controlled burn actually, uh, like uh, fertilizes the area, right? Yeah, more, more or less. <laughs> right, right. It's it's funny because, like you said, when people uh, people hear controlled burn, I immediately think of uh, it's always sunny. We're gonna do a controlled burn on this house. <laughs> We're just gonna burn it down to the ground. It's all very yeah. controlled, and we spray it. But what goes into a controlled burn? Is it? I would imagine you would have to have a perimeter set up with people ready to uh, extinguish the. I guess contain it. I guess as much as you can. Yeah. So uh, it, it's like, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, it's another thing. So it, it's kind of like structured, kind of like FEMA structured. Um, so there's like you know what I mean, like burn bosses and like you know different crews and stuff like that assigned to different things and right you lay down they call them dry lines or wet lines so a bulldozer might come through and like completely bulldoze like the area around um where they want to be burning so basically if fire were to get to that part which it which it uh, probably would um it would it wouldn't jump past it and like they might do like a dry line and then they call it a wet line right after it you know what i mean or something like that um, and a wetline's just like when you go through with the hose, you know what I mean, like on a truck or whatever, and uh, you spray it. So if any any embers did touch it, they're, they're hitting wet um, wet foliage or whatever, and uh, wow. hopefully igniting. And you have people that you know what I mean are spotting like if spire does spill over into the next the next spot to make sure that doesn't go out and uh, making sure it doesn't get too hot or that it's burning enough. You know what I mean? You want yeah. your you want to burn. Uh, continuously kind of like in a line there's there's like plans basically that they have so you want it to like kind of like burn one area you don't want it to burn too quickly over here not over here you might like find like people are over here and that you yeah. don't want them you want to, to have like a consistent burn throughout yeah oh gotcha gotcha there's, there's what, a lot that goes into it yeah and that's it, how how many people are on a team that that figure that stuff out i would imagine oh. it'd be massive right like you would need so many different people kind of meeting together yeah, I mean, each it depends on how much you're burning and stuff like that. Um, but usually, a, a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was waiting for you to be like, no, dude, it's like three people. Out. Three people say, I want to burn this, boom, done. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like complete, a team. Complete yeah, like, contrary to what, what I would think. If um, if there was one thing that you wish you could do differently, what would that be? In tales of, like, I guess... Uh, 
if you could spend your energy in one place rather than the other, what, I, what would it be? You're talking about my job wise. Yeah. Um, gosh, honestly, do, doing controlled burns is really fun. That's yeah. that's really fun. Um, I guess I, I I would I'd like to get into that more. Um, I don't do it so much. We're trying to get into it, but it's a slow process to like try to try to do that where we are. Um, so other than that, I, I really like cutting. Um, yeah. So being a lawyer, cutting down trees. It's hard work, um, really labor intensive, but it's it's really rewarding and it's a fun fun thing to do. It's like uh, it's kind of like like doing a puzzle each time. You know what I mean? Like you have to like look at and make a, make a felling plan. You know what I mean? Okay, I'm gonna gonna drop this tree this way and then this tree this way. You know, like this tree first, this tree next, this tree last, and then you know what I mean? Like oh, do I need to cut down other trees so this doesn't get hung up? You know what I mean? And it's it's just really fun that way. Yeah, and like you said, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You're trying to problem solve through it. If you have a like half an acre of trees they have to take down, I would imagine you have to have a pretty strong, a pretty strong plan on which way you're gonna go. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. It are are you in charge of a lot of training? Do you do like training seminars where you're teaching a bunch of people, or is it more like, hey, Barry's the new guy. Can you show him how to t- cut down a tree? <laughs> No, Barry. Barry never goes out on his own um, without without. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've definitely been that role model um, and uh, taken on. Um, so yeah, I'll help out like interns. You know what I mean? I'll train them, um, and and we, you know what I mean? It'll be for like weeks before we we like let people out on their own or anything like that. Um, depending on the job. Yeah, slow. You know? Take the first. You got to take the bike on the training wheels first, and then we'll we'll take those off when you're feeling ready. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If there was a uh, one thing that people, when I say people, I mean uh, people who don't have your job, could do to make your life easier, what would that be? Hmm. To make my life easier, um, there's not much people could really do to make my life easier. But there's things that they could do to kind of like help just help out with the cause and stuff like that. So I guess what I'm talking about is like education. So I think that's kind of where a lot of this stems from when we deal with uh, the public is just making sure everyone's educated. You know what what these pests are and you know what they're doing. And so the people who really spot them first aren't, it's not us, it's, it's the people in the public. You know what I mean? Like someone might say like, oh, I found this like this beetle. Like, is this like Asian longhorn beetle? You know what I mean? And they send it into our lab. They get it identified like, oh, yes, it is. Like, we should get someone over there, check it out. You know what I mean? See if it's like a, a big infestation or not. You know what I mean? And we go from there um, sort of deal. Do you guys um, offer any, uh, like, public training? Or maybe that's out of your realm of yeah, job um, scope? I think it depends on what the things are. So yeah. there's, like, definitely, yeah. I guess I'm not sure. Um, yeah, no, that's so, so yeah, it's a weird I, I one, especially so. because I feel like training that would be a whole separate department. You know what I mean? Right. Be, you're you're like on level ten. Training is like yeah. Talk to floor two. Those people know <laughs> the training. <laughs> sure. No, yeah. There's definitely like like public outreach things that we do. You know what I mean? Like, um. It, it depends on the species and, yeah. and, and what we're, we're dealing with, though, you know. 
Yeah, right, for sure. I feel like that's kind of a it's a pretty intricate question. It could be kind of kind of hard to answer. But I mean, not even it I'll say for the fifth time, again, lucky for people like you who are smarter than me who can who can handle this kind of stuff because this is this is so out of my realm and honestly, I don't e- I wouldn't have even thought about invasive species until like I said, when you and I, when we were going out looking at houses and you're pointing out all these different trees and stuff. And then when you brought up that in conversation, never in my mind would I would think, oh yeah, there's probably a beetle destroying forests <laughs> that's like impacting a lot of forests that are in New York. Like I just, I never thought of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of tree species out there, so you might not notice it, you know, um, Dude, like you Emerald know so or... many tree species. I don't. I don't understand it. There's some people who are car guys, and they can see a a front of a car and be like, "Oh, that's a Porsche 911." You, we were we were looking at houses, and you were like, "Oh yeah, that's a Canadian maple pine 43." <laughs> I love that one. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I gave you that tree book. You should I, be I studying. Still have it. <laughs> I still have it, and honestly, I flipped through it for the take picture. Take that on a hike. Really go, go start identifying some trees. You know, <laughs> go <to> Green Lakes. <laughs> do you carry that book around with you, or do you just know it like off the top of your head now? Um, so when I went to school, so that's actually where I I learned a lot of the stuff, right? You know what I mean? Like you you just kind of like need it for school. And then it's like so embedded in your brain by the time you get out to the real world that, you know what I mean? You kind of just know, or like you deal with these things. Like I didn't, I've never really dealt with like, um, Alanthus tree until, until a couple of years ago when I started working with SLF. And then I, you know, I mean, now I know it, I I could tell you all the characteristics of it. Um, Right. Do you, are you ready for the funniest question? Do you have a favorite tree? Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? What's I, your favorite, I, I tree? favorite tree? Yeah, of course. Um, sassafras. A sassafras, because you're a sassafras. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> they're really cool. Um, so their leaves, um, they're multi lobed. And uh, I guess what that means is like, so you have, you have a leaf that just kind of looks like that, right? It's just like one thing, you know? Right. And then, so. It, on that same tree, um, a leaf can be like two lobed. So it'll have like one part here, kind of like a mitten is actually what it looks like is it'll have like one, one nub here, like a smaller one and one bigger one over here. And then you have a third, like a third option, which is more like, it looks like a raptor claw. So it'll have (laughs) like three, basically it'll have like three lobes on it. So it has three different leaves on the same tree. It's really, it's like kind of really unique, you know? Right. I mean, you look at like, a maple tree or something, and like they're all the same leaves. Yeah, this one has three different, right. all on the same tree. Right. No, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's it was so funny because when we were showing it, showing houses, it was, it, I was always impressed by the trees, you know. And then when we closed on the house, you gave me a book of trees, and <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, that's amazing because now I can actually I can take that book and go out when we go hiking and figure out. Oh, all right, hold on, let me find this. Let me flip through this book here and figure out what kind of tree we're looking at here. You gotta know, when you're selling houses, Corey, you gotta let you gotta let them know like oh, this is good. This is gonna be good for your drainage. All right. This, this is, is good. Willow. Listen, this is, this is gonna soak up some water. You're not gonna have a lot of wet, you know, wetness in the backyard. This Canadian maple is great in the backyard <laughs> because it soaks up a lot of water. And let me tell you guys, you're gonna get some great foliage in this house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sure, not sure. only are you an environmentalist 
but you also you mentioned to me you were writing a comic book is that still happening or is that like a, a grand idea that you want to check off the bucket list at this point it's it's more of a grand idea um basically yeah it's, it's something you know what i mean like uh, i guess call it a new year's resolution i, I want to kind of like dive into and see if, just see if i can do it you know dip my toes into it see, see what the processes are um I kind of already know, like I've looked on like um, certain comic book companies that will allow like outside people to send in their like scripts and stuff like that for their own stories and what it entails. And it's a lot, like it's, it's a ton of work. Um, but I actually, I listen to a lot of like um, comic book uh, writers and artists like on podcasts, like when they get interviewed. Um, and you know what I mean? A lot of them are just, they're, they're like they don't have to, you don't have to be like young like straight out of college a lot of them are like older you know what i mean like past their 30s when they're starting to write and stuff like that um and it's you know what i mean it's like they really want to see and it's a great community i feel like all of them really want to see each other do well you know what i mean like i, I never hear comic book artists be like oh this guy like oh i hate him he's my nemesis he works yeah. from dc it's not like that at all they it's usually the opposite. They're usually like, oh, man, I love your work. Like, I read your Batman book. That was awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah. That but, makes for a better work environment for other people to get into, right? Because if there was a lot of backstabbiness and gross, like, yeah. ickies, then some people would probably turn away from the comic book industry, you know, as a whole especially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. You know, I obviously... Yeah won't work for any of those people <laughs> yeah 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 right right can't speak firsthand um but from what i've seen in like interviews a lot of these people are like i don't know it just seems like they want like you know what i mean they they want the kid reading at home to have his own story of like this character and say like where would you take this and like they want to see where like the next them are you know yeah right right have you put more is it like a surface level thought or have you already figured out like the plot, the characters, what what the the story is you're trying to get across? Um, yeah, there's a couple. Um, and I, you know what I mean. Like it depends. So I guess they they say you should like always write stuff down. So like keeping like a notepad, you know what I mean, just on your phone of just like your ideas whenever they come to you. You know what I mean. Jot it down. Like come back to it. Like you, you don't have to come back to it, but like you know what I mean. Those ideas are there for like a good story. And you know what I mean? Just coming back to it, seeing if you can play around with it, make something out of it. Right. So there's a few, I, I think maybe I, I want to try and like, see if I can flesh out. And Would you make... do more superhero or more anti-hero? What do you mean by anti-hero? Like villain? Like he, villain I was going to say anti-hero, like Venom, right? Like he's, Ooh. he's kind uh, he's of like evil. He's like a hero now though. Oh, he's if a you've hero read now? Books, oh, basically. Yeah. Is he really? <laughs> There's a huge event going on right now called The King in Black. Um, it's by Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. You should read it. <laughs> but, it's um, King in Black, you said? Yeah. Um, basically, they introduced um, it's the god of uh, the symbiotes, which is what Venom is. Um, but basically, they uh, they have a giant event right now where he's coming over to like take over the Earth, and like Venom, uh, Eddie Brock, is like ready to stop them and whatever with all the heroes. I won't oh, tell you sure. this if, if you have. <laughs> are you reading ever... uh, Venom? What, what are you reading right now? What are your, some of your favorite? Uh, I've worked with a guy at PetSmart that used to call them funny books. <laughs> They're comic books, books, but he called them funny books. It sounds like, yeah. Um, 
No, um, I I am reading so much. I that's one thing I really do like about it is that I can get involved, or you know, what I mean, in my head, I'm just I'm reading like I don't know, like ten different stories at like once, like throughout the month. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like right now, I've, I'm reading like right like The King in Black, Venom. Um, there's one called Undiscovered Country that's kind of like its own indie thing. Um, but there's other ones, so they kind of go on like breaks. They might do like six comics and then take a break, kind of like TV does, right? You know, yeah. and then they'll, they'll come back in like you know what I mean, half a year or whatever next year. Um, like uh, Farmhand was a good one. I think I, I gave you that book. Yep, that was good. That's, that's an awesome read. That guy's awesome. Uh, yeah. Rob Gilroy writes and draws his own stuff. Okay, and that that was something yeah. I was going to ask you too. Would you? write and draw your stuff or would you talk to an illustrator to draw your ideas i think i would love to talk to an illustrator i don't know any like or any like artist that's willing to take on that kind of work um especially probably for for no money yeah yeah, (laughs) yeah, right 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 um but i am i I started kind of picking up my art game a little bit and uh, i'm starting to dabble again um in order to to send books into like a a company like your own story, they usually need you to have a written out thing, um, with pictures and stuff like that. So so you need to have your own. They call them pencils or inks. Um, basically, it's your own pencil dot. It doesn't have to be colored. Um, so I I think I could probably manage that. That's another thing. You know what I mean? I'd I'd have to try it out. Try my hand at at, at uh, doing my own art. So yeah. so possibly. Probably not if, if if I ever did get picked up, LOL. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> They'd probably just say, yeah, this was great, but <laughs> you couldn't produce this book in the time frame we want you to. <laughs> so, It'd be a so lot of pressure, I would imagine, for sure. I think this next question is going to be kind of hard for you to answer. Top uh, three comic books that everybody should read. Oh, man. And it could be Ooh. graphic novels or if there's a very long series. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. That's a hard question, right? Yeah, it's definitely a hard question. I was just trying to think of like what, what I've read in the past and, and what I, I like and, and what would be good for everyone. Um, honestly, I really like um, the Watchmen. I would say the Watchmen yeah. is honestly probably my favorite graphic novel, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who probably would have no interest in reading that, but it's one of my favorites. Well, a lot of people, I mean, that's a huge series. I, I, you know, you, you see it everywhere, I guess. I, I've seen it on like whatever Instagram, whatever. Right. Have so, you read it at all? I've actually never read The Watchmen. I really should. Um, really. It's on my list with a billion other things. Okay. <laughs> if I lend you a copy, would you read it? Yeah, I'd probably read it. You have a great the, the graphic novel. Graphic novel, I think, was better than the movie because the movie took a different ending, and the graphic—I mean, the graphic novel ending is still amazing, but it's very comic book esque. You know, the movie took a very like safe approach to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna find my graphic novel. I'm gonna bring it to you. I just gotta find it. Nice dude. Um, I just—it's uh, hard to pick only three, right? Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Sorry, I I, I stepped away 
from that question for a bit. There's definitely um, a few that I've really liked over the years. Um, one that I'm currently reading, um, it, it's a really big series. Um, it's with um, Rob Gilroy and uh, John Lehman. It's uh, Chew. It's about a detective yeah. that can, uh, he can chew like food or even like body parts like people and figure out what has happened in the past. So like anything he eats, he know it. Like if he ate like a hamburger, he'd know what happened to the cow, like right up to the point where it died and stuff like that. Oh, that's funny. I wouldn't, yeah. That's a good, uh, that's an interesting uh, uh, concept. I like that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's definitely really cool. Um, and there's other, other superpowers throughout it um, from other people, other food related ones. They're all kind of food related. Um, it definitely isn't like one. I feel like everyone who reads the first graphic novel of it is kind of like, this is kind of weird and I don't know if I like it, but it's one that if you, if you stick to it and keep reading, it just develops and like the plot thickens and there's more characters added and they kind of all, you know what I mean? Merge into one. Right. Um, story. Um, so that's a really good one. Um, gosh, I was trying to think. I used to really like Jason Aaron had, I, believe it or not, when, when I came into comics, which wasn't that long ago, um, Thor had just um, become it's, uh, Jane Foster. She, oh. she became Thor. And like for a while, like they didn't know who it was. Like for like eight issues, it was just some mystery woman. Um, and like Thor is kind of upset. Um, but Jane... But um, but uh, Aaron's run of that uh, Thor, um, and it's like it goes on. I think until like the Mighty Thor is like the second series of his with the same character. I thought that was really cool. Um, Apparently, that's supposed to be the next Thor in the movie, right? Like that's supposed to be Natalie Portman. I think is her actress's name. Yeah, that supposedly they're bringing her back. We'll see. Um, yeah, I, I imagine that's what they're gonna do. Um, and it's really cool that that one she she ends up getting like cancer so like half of it's like her battling cancer but also trying to be the superhero you know what i mean like trying to like balance these lives kind of just like you know like peter parker can relate to people by being a a teenager boy you know what i mean like he's just like i'm struggling with school but like i have to go save the world too (laughs) you know yeah right that like dual dual personality yeah and that's uh i think that's what makes a lot of superheroes very interesting because they're always it's always that way right it's like bruce banner i'm a very smart scientist who's trying to save the but i have to save the world and defeat these aliens and tony stark is the intelligent uh super intelligent uh inventor i guess you'd want to say and he's trying to save the world i guess tony stark doesn't really relate to you and i because he's a he's a trillion but yeah, yeah. yeah right right he's like in the similar sense of batman right they're both billionaires yeah. that made that became superheroes right yeah if um, if you had uh if one publisher came to you like marvel dc uh a ho- dark horse is that is that right or is it yeah, iron horse, horse is, is definitely up there dark horse if they came to you and they said bob we want you to write a story with this character who would you who would you want that character to be like if you had a chance to write a spider-man oh well right any of the big ones like if anyone ever came to you and said hey do you want to do you want to write spider-man do you want to write batman you don't hesitate you say yes number one (laughs) right like who would Um, be if it was if it came to you you'd be like oh my god this is a dream come true right i don't know 
honestly, it'd, it'd be a character that I'd want to play around with. You know what I mean? You might want to like go back into their history, retcon some of their, you know what I mean? Like take back an older story where an older story left off and say like, well, this is what kind of like happened or this is why and like change it up. Um, I don't know. I've always been a really big fan of like Iron Fist and like yeah. um, Ghost Rider has been huge. I, I've always liked him. Really? Ghost Rider? I've never got into Oh, yeah. It. No? no? Oh, man. I never read Iron Fist stuff, but when Iron Fist came out on Netflix, he is the jam. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Well, man, we'll see. Maybe they're going to bring him back to the. They're bringing back a lot of these people for this new spider-man movie i think it is um it's so every time i read about that they're adding a new person i've never i'm like oh so now that the daredevil's coming back into spider-man yeah oh the original toby mcguire green goblin is supposed to come back in that i don't know what's news and big news anymore Bob. there's a whole multiverse of madness happening and if i'm sure they had all mapped out if they could pull that off toby mcguire Andrew Garfield and uh who am I missing? Tom Holland? Tom Holland, yeah, the current Spider Man. If they could pull yeah. up all three of those together in a in a Spidey verse, that would be huge because the that movie was that animation like blew it out of the water. That was like everything people wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh man. Damn, I get so excited when I talk about Spider Man. Spider Man and Wolverine are my top two favorite superheroes of all time. Oh, yeah? The top two. Spider-Man because I feel like I could kind of relate to Peter Parker because he's like, you know, he was a nerd and he was, I don't know, I feel like I could relate to him. And then Wolverine because I was used to, I really enjoyed reading uh, Savage Wolverine, which is like Wolverine rated M for mature. So you would read through and it was like, oh, here's Wolverine swearing. Oh, Wolverine's cutting a person in half on this. This is amazing. (laughs) That's how it's supposed to be. Like really really good Wolverine movie that really kind of got it right. Was, uh, was it Logan? Yeah. The the last one there. Yeah. That's where he's just like an old bitter and like, yeah, like swears a lot. And it's just like a beast of a person. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> Old Man Logan was probably another one of my favorite graphic novels. That was a good one. Because that was like a perspective on an interesting perspective because it was Wolverine very all of his friends died, him being essentially immortal, right? His aging process yeah. was way different than everybody. And then him living through I can't remember it's been so long since I read it. I feel like it wasn't an apocalypse or a genocide of mutants i can't remember anymore it's been so long since i read that i think it's yeah basically like yeah like an apocalypse of like sorts that's what it was and it was cool because it was it was less it was more emotion of logan you know what i mean rather than like i'm in the x-men i'm gonna do you know what i mean it was just a good uh perspective on character i liked you you see this yeah like right like you said like his persona like you get to like actually like feel like what they're feeling more right i think they're doing a lot better with like a lot of stuff like that yeah and that was that i think that was my issue getting into comic books where i was like look how awesome i am i save the day and then as i read more into them i'm like wow this is it's very much you learn how much of a internal conflict is is in them you know like they're they're battling all these internal you know for me it was avengers versus x-men when i read that series i was like wow these are two very good conflicting points that I was like, I don't know what side I want to be on. 
right? Oh I man, you know I can't remember. Avengers vs X Men was it? It was I know Jean Grey right was the Phoenix and she was going to. If I'm getting this wrong, I'm so sorry. She wanted to end the world, but the X Men wanted to control her, and the Avengers wanted to destroy her. If I remember correctly. Maybe. I actually haven't read that one either, but I've read mm. a few from that series. I've read, like, the one where, like, uh, Gambit faces off with Captain America, which I was, like, totally stoked for. <laughs> Sign me up, son. Gambit oh versus, Ax- versus Captain America? Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Gambit. oh, man. Gambit's, like, my favorite X-Men. I mean, him and, like, Nightcrawler. That's, favorite like... X-Men of all time is Gambit? Oh, Yeah. Gambit's yeah. so cool! Oh my gosh, anything He's so the guy good looking too, right? Like a you know, what I mean, like a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like this master thief, and he's like, oh man, he's got the staff, and he's just he's like, so charming. He's great. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Do you have like a like a favorite author that like if uh, they announce that they're coming out of the series, you're boom, you got you have to pick it up immediately. Oof, yeah. Right now, it's Donny Cates. Um, I I started reading him when he like um, when he I, I started reading him when he started Thanos, and then he jumped on to, to Venom, and he really blew up um, since then. And I've been reading his stuff; that's been really good. Um, another one I really like is Scott Snyder. He used to be the Batman author, yeah. um, not currently anymore. But um, uh, did he write? He wrote the series of detective comics, right? If I'm not. Mistake. Yeah, I think, and also All Star Batman. There, there's a couple Batmans out there. Yeah, that's uh, a very many moons ago. I would say probably five years ago. I was into uh, getting comic book. It was around the time the Avengers vs X Men came out, so I don't remember the year. But it was uh, my regulars were Wolverine, Savage Wolverine, and then regular Wolverine. It was like the rated M for mature Wolverine, and then the rated T for teen Wolverine, and then. Uh, it was Detective Comics, which was Batman, and then yeah. Batman when uh, Joker had cut off that person's face, put it on his face. I can't remember. Ooh, I death in the family or Death of the Family? Yes, the family. yes, go. that was when I was when I was really into collecting comic books, and then I kind of I kind of just tinkered off. Basically, it was actually when uh, remember when DC hit the reset button, everything reset to yeah. to number one. It was around that time, actually. Right. That that was pretty big for the community. I remember a lot of people were like going crazy over that. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, was, I, that's about when I kind of started it was, it was somewhere in there, like when when DC had started the new Fifty Two. The new Fifty. That's what it was called. That's what it was yeah. called. And all the reset, all the comic books reset, and it was like a fresh start from everything they had previously written. Right? It was like going to be their their yeah. reset button essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Um, they've been doing great. I mean, like, I, I I currently get Batman. You know what I mean? It's it's taken off of like the new Fifty Two. They just had a really great series called like Joker Wars, mm. which has been really really awesome and stuff like that. Um, oh, and also one thing you might like is uh, DC started doing they call them Black Label, and it's basically like those rated M, but they they're like current like you know I mean current like uh, superheroes that they deal with like. Uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, whatever. Um, yeah, and that's what I, I like the rated. It sounds so weird. I like the rated M because it's like a it's like a gritty version. That's what I liked about 
Savage Wolverine because it was it was like it was really gritty, you know what I mean? It was it was him. It was kind of graphic because it's you know when you watch the I guess when you grow up watching the '90s X Men and there was you would see Wolverine like spear a person and then there was no blood, nothing, and you were like, wait a second, wait <laughs> there's a something second. else. There. There's something weird. And then it was never it was never filled with emotion. It was just like Charles Xavier. I gotta, yeah. I gotta save this school and fight Magneto. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. And I think, in much in the sense that I like, uh, the reason why I like the Watchmen so much is because it's a, it's a comic book that proves that even though they might be superheroes, they're completely fucked up in their own regard. Like they have terrible lives. There's terrible background stories, and they are still human, and they're still gonna make terrible terrible mistakes you know what i mean i don't want to give too much away because i'm gonna find it when i get off this with you i'm gonna find the graphic novel and and drop it off to you because there's a really crucial part in that book that to me is like wow these these are real people right these aren't just superheroes these are people that are like pathologically kind of crazy right and it was always portrayed in the sense that I'm Superman. I am great, and I, everything I do is perfect. You know, that's for sure. You know, like DC when they first started, that's how they were, and that's this is kind of like the story of how Marvel became about was because DC had all these right, like Superman, like does no does no harm, like does you know what I mean? Like Wonder Woman's so perfect. They didn't have like any real. It was just all bang bang pow pow. That was the whole thing. It was just all action. There was no like real backstory. And then Marvel kind of came through and they, you know what I mean? They brought in characters like, right, like the X-Men who were hated by society suddenly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, like we're, you know, we're just trying to be good guys, but we're hated by society or like Spider-Man, right? You know, he's dealing with like his own, like just being a teenager problems and all these other characters like that. And then that's when DC kind of switched their gear too and started doing the same. Right. But now that's, that's how it is. Like, and that's part of the, yeah, I I love that too. You know, that's that's the nitty gritty of it. That's like the detail that you want to see. You want to get in their head and think what they're thinking. Yeah, and you also want to relate to these people in a sense too, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I think that's like the number one thing with it, right? It's like yeah, you're reading this story and you're just yeah, you're relating to that person. You're feeling bad because right, they made a mistake or whatever that they're they're dealing with something because you you maybe you know maybe you did it too right (laughs) you feel you also feel sympathetic because peter parker got jammed into a locker and you did too back in (laughs) hey i remember i remember having to hit the little button on the other side (laughs) that's so funny That's so I remember you walking by, like I saw through the little slits, and I was like screaming, "I was like help!" And you just like walked out of the gym. That was the locker. <laughs> no, I didn't walk out, Bob. I said, "I'll, I'm gonna go find the janitor," and I never came back. <laughs> it's stuck, bud. It's really stuck. <laughs> I can't. I'm just jammed in there. <laughs> no, and I, I think that's why people really resonate to, uh, to comic books. I thought. When I was getting into comic books, I was I heard that it was a dying art and it was a dying uh, hobby. I guess is that yeah. shifted? Do you think? Do you think that more people have gotten into it? I think that's shifted a lot, and I think a lot of that has to deal with the fact that it's it's rising so much in the movies. You know what I mean? Marvel and DC, they've both yeah. kind of taken off with their movies. You know what I mean? 
And like same with like even like Star Wars. Star Wars is now owned by Disney, and like they have their own comics too. Um, and they're all they're all canon, you know. So the stories line up with like the real life story of of things now. And you can like you know what I mean the, the way I look at it is you're kind of the first person to get a look of that story. Yeah. Like a lot of times you read the comics, you might already know what's kind of like happening, or like of this character that they're gonna bring into the next movie, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and it. It makes you feel like you're included on all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's great. And not to mention, especially if you're an artist, flipping through uh, the Wolverine series that got me into it was um, Wolverine when he was going through the Tears of Hell and he had to fight all his past uh, enemies in the illustrations, not only on the cover, but also throughout the whole comic book series really grabbed me. And you almost have like a a nice appreciation of art because you're like, how did this person draw this? Some this somebody had to put their imagination to paper. How did they draw Wolverine climbing out of the pits of hell as he's trying to fight off Magneto crawling at his feet? You know, like like it takes a special kind of s- skill not only to do that but also to write the story. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's really cool how a lot of these people work and each artists and writers like different mm-hmm. so like i've talked to a few of them um like when i met like comic cons and stuff and like some might say like oh yeah i kind of just like give them like a, a general outline like this is kind of what i want to happen you do your own thing and other ones are like well this is what needs to happen but this is what it needs to look like you know what i mean the artist is kind of like detailed like you know what i mean drawing out like whatever like the the layers of hell or, or whatever they're working right. on um, yeah. No, it's it's really cool, and that's that's what makes comic books beautiful in a sense. Because there's in many things, I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way to do things. In in a sense, where there's people who are very controlling that aspect, where they want, hey, make sure there's this is the we have ten colors to choose from in his pits of hell. This is what I want you. This is the direction I want you to go. Use these colors. And then there's other people that are like, I don't know, dude. Bob, you're the illustrator. You're the experienced one. Just draw it. This is the story. You tell me what to do. Yeah. And like sometimes that's that's how the story changes too. Is like the artist kind of has an idea, goes with it, draws it out, you know, I mean, sends it in and it's like, hey, what do you think of this? And then they're like, oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. We should roll with this. You know what I mean? And that that kind of combination makes for great storytelling because, you know what I mean, your ideas are rifting off each other. Yeah. And I think when when especially when you have a another person to rift ideas off of i i think it even elevates the story even farther and especially when you have somebody who's trying to put put like imagine you and i were working together on a comic book and you have the idea and i have to put it to paper like that that's a different kind of conversation than what we're having right now does that make sense it's like oh, yeah, how can i kind of like convey what bob is his storytelling onto paper for that to make sense that that is a that's an art in itself you know definitely dude that's yeah that's what blows my mind that's that's what makes the big bucks i know um one combo for like batman was like uh uh scott snyder and uh greg capullo it's greg capullo has been like huge in batman i mean they both have um but like that's when I I heard an interview with uh, Snyder once and he was talking about the first time he met uh, Capullo and he was sent in like he basically did what I just said like he's just like send him like so many notes it was like 
you know what I mean? Like whatever, like a seven page PDF of just like notes that like, this is what I want you to do for like these couple of pages. And Kapoor's like, no, 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 no. I'm like too big league for this. Like <laughs> narrow this down, let my imagination work. And it like turned out to be like, like one of their like bigger issues, like one of the bigger sellers. Yeah. It's what an interesting business. That's for sure. Yeah. You want to come in with it? You want to, <laughs> yeah. You want to commit on my idea or what, dude? <laughs> Bob, dude, this was a lot of fun. I, you know what, yeah. I, you know what I've, I've said about our friendship to my wife before is that no matter how we met in what, probably like ninth grade. Oh eighth grade? man. What was it? So long Pins, ago, right? Pins class. <laughs> Mr. Pins? Mr. Pins class. Is that what it was? Was it? Well, what oh, I man. told Brittany was it's <laughs> our friendship has been like, you know, those the friendships that you have that even though like when you went away for school, obviously you and I kind of parted ways. We didn't talk very much. And then we reconnected. It was like no time lapse at all. You know, it's like every time I talk to you, it's just the same as we were from high school. And that is a beautiful aspect and quality of you. It's one thing I've always loved about you. Yeah, man, I appreciate that, too. I think I feel the same way, dude. It, it's so it's rare to find that it's like every time I talk to you, I'm like, dude, it's like Bob and I just just walked out of Mr. Pin's class in tenth grade. <laughs> oh man, yeah, definitely, dude. I love you, bro. Dude, I love you too, dude. Thanks for doing this podcast, and I appreciate the hell out of you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the show. The love and support that you guys show me is such a wonderful thing from the text messages to social media posts. It's just a constant reminder of how many awesome people I have in my life. If you want to support the show, make sure you subscribe, follow, like the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with your friends and tell them what your favorite episode is. If you think yourself or someone you may know would be great on the podcast, reach out to me and we can make it happen. I love putting these out and getting a chance to talk to so many interesting people is so incredible. So thank you for giving me your time, and I appreciate you guys more than I can put into words. I love you people very much.